And we are going. How are you doing, buddy? I'm great. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Uh, how's uh, life with the new air conditioner? Oh, it has been much cooler. <laughs> much cooler. Uh, my, my bank account's much smaller, but uh, yeah. uh, but uh, cool and comfortable, though, at least. Oh, that's good. So uh, how's your uh, week been going? Oh, well, it's been... Uh, you know, it's been a bit of a tumultuous week for me. Um, <laughs> uh, a lot of up, ups and downs, to say the least. Yeah, so we had the new air conditioner installed on Wednesday, and uh, um, and after maybe five hours of having it running, we noticed that the house wasn't cooling. Like we had it set, the thermostat was set to eighteen, and it was about twenty four degrees now. So we're like, I'm not an expert on ACs, but I don't think it's working. Um, so. Um, uh, so uh, I had to have the AC company come back uh, two more times over the next two days before they <clears throat> they finally got it working because uh, it seems that basically the people who installed it um, made you know d- didn't do it properly essentially. Um, and uh, the other big development with me is that uh, uh, we uh, we fostered a dog actually for a few days this week, and uh, it was kind of a bit of a um, a roller coaster experience. Uh, you know, the dog was 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 uh, was really sweet and uh, we really took to her, but, uh, you know, she had a bit of a biting problem and, uh, you know, and it, it got a bit, uh, like it got a bit too much, uh, for us. And, uh, unfortunately we had to, uh, return it back to the animal rescue place that we, that we got her from. Yeah. Um, from what <clears throat> you told me, uh, they're not, it doesn't look like they're going to put, put the pup down, but they're just going to give her more training, which is always the best way to go. Well, that's the hope for sure. Um, you know, the, the, the only issue is that, uh, you know, she does have a history of, uh, of, of biting, uh, dating back to um, before we had her. Um, so from what I understand, there have been a few, uh, at least a few uh, bites before that, um, one of which was actually uh, flagged to, uh, uh, to, to by law enforcement. Um, so, uh, you know, so kind of factoring those bites in, uh, the bites and she bit me twice and she bit Christy once. And then from what I understand, yeah. she's also, she's also bitten the people at the dog rescue since she went back yesterday. Um, so just, just, just due to the sheer volume of bites, I, I don't know um, if she'll be able to be rehabilitated. I, I certainly know it's the intention, you know, to, to yeah. the, of the, of the dog rescue, of course, to do so. Um, and ho- hopefully it, it will be done successfully, but I'm not sure. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. Um, at Casa uh, Fitzborn down here in Hamilton, it's been a busy uh, couple of weeks because um, my lovely wife uh, want, and I fully supported her with this, um, a full Ontario pollinator garden. And that oh, was, yes, I saw pictures of it. Uh, the pictures, our friends on Facebook have seen this. Um, we rented a solder and a tiller, and then I got a hand tiller as well to really dig deep. And um, basically, we cut a part of our backyard up so we can plant Ontario, a native Ontario plant from onplants.ca, and they will mail you. Uh, basically, they mail you plants. And that, oh, that's really been, cool. That, yeah, they're Ontario native and pollinators. Because uh, we started uh, really last year. <clears throat> But it's been going on for a while. Of support, uh, everyone knows honeybees are endangered, uh, and so everyone's really getting on the pollinator effect. And honey nut Cheerios, 
um, have been basically you go onto their website, fill out your mailing address, and they'll mail you free of charge sunflower seeds. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, last year, we had a couple grow that were successful. Um, the bees loved them. And so, <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, we're doing full Ontario plants that are pollinators, and we finally got them this week. So we uh, we took care of that, and uh, fingers crossed. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, that, that, yeah. that's a lot of fun. Yeah. So I um, like we said last time, we are not like a news broadcast, but did, some major sports news did come out the last time, and that's the NBA's return to work plan. Yeah, uh, which is 22 teams. The only teams that are not invited are the teams that are more than six, six or more games out of a playoff spot because they're going to be playing eight more regular season games and uh, they will do play in uh, games as well for the eighth and ninth seeds. Yeah. Um, it'll all be at the Disney compound in Orlando. They've got strict rules. Once you're in, you're not out and you can't leave the Disney compound till you're uh, uh, you're essentially eliminated from the playoffs and uh, you're not allowed to bring guests in. Whoever comes in, that's it. And so they've, your- got strict, they've got strict mm-hmm. rules for the housekeeping staff for the hotel and all Disney cast members. So, what's so your- what is, yeah, sorry. Uh, I'll go with your opinion first. I don't know. It's mixed. Um, on the one hand, I think it, I, 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 of course I, I, I welcome the return of sports like any other sports fan. Um, I feel weird about the idea of not having spectators, but I also recognize that uh, I think the return of spectator sports is probably quite a while away. Um, cer- certainly not in 2020, I don't, I wouldn't think. And uh, so I, but I feel weird about spectatorless sports, even though that's going to be the reality for a little bit. And to be honest with you, um, I, I kind of question whether or not. I, I, I kind of have to have to ask whether that this is might be a meaningless exercise because wh- whoever wins, I, I think there will be so much <clears throat> um, question marks about you know about about how legitimate their championship is. Uh, I, I agree. This is, this is definitely um, an exception to the rules, so to speak. Um, I, it's funny. This morning, uh, Korean baseball was actually on uh, TSN this morning um, from the Korean baseball league. That yeah, I they were playing some games. Yeah, t- and ESPN in the states uh, has picked it up, and TSN's been showing those broadcasts. And I caught the last uh, couple of innings of a game this Sunday morning, and re- recording uh, obviously uh, the uh, on Sunday, fourteenth, <coughs> and. Um, after about an inning or so, because I, I don't know, but I really didn't notice much of a difference because in, in Korea for the baseball, there, there's no fans in the stands. And outside of the uh, announcers seeming more like they're on a golf course than anything else, uh-huh. um, <laughs> it really didn't. And I think it, I didn't really notice. Uh, once I got used to it, I got used to it. And I yeah. and I do. Once you actually start watch uh, watching this, um, it may become a thing where you just get used to it. I've also heard the idea of actually pumping uh, crowd noise into it. Well, I hear what they've but, been doing in Korea is they've actually been using something like blow up dolls in the. They've stands. been using stuffed stuffed animals. Yeah, and, and there was actually a, when there was actually a controversy recently where 
apparently by mistake, they actually ordered uh, blow up dolls from an adult uh, entertainment uh, company. Uh, so, so seriously, they and and, and apparently they. Sorry. <laughs> A lot of open mouths. <laughs> yeah. So, it, so, and apparently they, they didn't actually realize what they had done until they had actually played some games. And some some observant fans kind of said, "Hey, what the, what, like, what's going on here? Why, why do you have uh, adult blow up dolls in your stands?" <laughs> I thought it was a family friendly atmosphere you're promoting. <laughs> And probably someone saw that in the cor- in the corner of their closet and going, "Oh crap, I got one of those." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I I mean, as you probably know, I went to some Korean league games when I lived there, and uh, it, it's definitely solid baseball. You know, we've we've uh, we've had, you know, Major League Baseball has had some has had some standout players that have come from that league, such as. Uh, the Jays, the ace pitcher, about to say the ace pitcher, uh, Ryu, yeah, yeah, who, uh, yeah, who are who are still eagerly waiting to, to see to th- see throw a pitch, yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the basic rules it looks like for the NBA is it's still going to be east west, each team has eight more games, it's not a, a zero zero record, it's um, eight more continuous games, yeah, for. Well, the J, oh, the Jays, uh, the uh, Raptors are up three games on Boston right now uh, for second in the East. If, yeah. um, the Raptors need to go five and three in the final eight games. Mm. Like I, 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 I generally, East. I generally cringe when I see these uh, these shortened seasons, uh, be it due to you know a labor dispute or I guess in this case a pandemic, because you always have a Cinderella team that honestly, under most circumstances, is probably not that good that just catches fire. And uh, yeah. maybe they won't win at all, but they'll, you know, they'll make people think that they're, that they're good when they probably aren't, you know? So yeah. um, it's, it's a real circumstance where if a team wins a championship in a lockout or strike shortened year, <sighs> that they actually go on to regular season success the next year. I mean, it does happen. Like the New Jersey Devils. Jersey Devils or again, <sighs> go to an NHL circumstance because that's pretty recent, but the um, uh, Chicago Blackhawks of 2013. Yeah. When they uh, beat the Bruins in an epic six-game series. Yeah, but at least in that uh, case, though, um, they had already won, you know. Uh, yeah, they were a legit before. team. Yeah. yeah so, is it, so I guess if, you know, if, if a team like the Bucks wins it, um, or, or I guess even the Raptors. Uh, if the Raptors, uh, but if the, uh, the Raptors, would anyone considered a true back-to-back championship? Yeah. If if I guess if an established team wins it all, then I, I you know I'll be a little less skeptical, but uh, but still it anyway. Yeah, but like say in the NHL, uh, say if a team like uh, just say a local team like Toronto wins it all. Oh, I think there would be a lot of skepticism of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the. Only- the only teams that I think if they win the, the Stanley Cup this year, no skepticism is Vegas, St. Louis, Tampa, or Boston. Yeah. Or even Washington. Or even Washington. But I, I do think that, uh, though, these, uh, you know, this restarts of the season several months, I guess, after after the interruption. Four or five, almost, almost five months, yeah. Yeah, this, it'll actually be good for both Toronto teams because by then they should be fully healthy. When, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, that's why I'm saying that Toronto Columbus series. It'll be interesting because neither team was healthy throughout the year. Yeah, they both with the same with the same amount of points in the same amount of games. 
Now that's assuming that they don't that they don't all just get hurt again, though. <laughs> it, 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 exactly. That's I think it also depends where the NHL, where the hub city is for the East, because reports are saying right now for the West it's Vegas, which oh, makes of course. <laughs> the East here in Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Columbus are the favorites, but again, who knows? Yeah, uh, Toronto probably has the facilities, but uh, those three sit. But right now, I think. If it's going to be Toronto, the team's going to have to get to Toronto two weeks early for their mandatory 14-day quarantine. Yeah, exactly. So, um, all but, right. Well, well, do you have anything more to say about about the, this, sir? No, no. Um, I think uh, we've we talked about last time what our feelings are on the Stanley Cup uh, shortened uh, playoffs or abbreviated NBA as well. I just want to um, explain um, a little change in programming, so to speak on how, how we're doing things now. Um, we talked about this uh, earlier today, and one thing we've noticed is these podcasts going a little long. So what we're going to do is only one of us is going to do a countdown, uh, an Elite Eight, as we call it. And then we just basically creates open discussion and uh, some fun conversation. Um, and then we'll both do honorable mentions or say – the, uh, the list this week will be mine, and then Griff will throw out uh, ideas that he thinks could have, should have in, in my eight. And um, definitely some honorable mentions, and uh, hopefully this creates a bit more discussion and maybe a bit less predictability. Yeah, it's going um, to be fun. Um, I, I think a periodic uh, format change is, uh, is fun for sure, especially, especially as we're, we're sort of um, – growing as a podcast getting used to this and uh yeah. may- maybe we could even get our listenership over like maybe 10 people or something like that because <laughs> uh, i don't yeah. think we've, we've even hit that <laughs> uh yeah we will start off slow i i we definitely uh we'll definitely get better as uh, <laughs> we go on um but um yeah so um my list this week is top nhl rivalries of all time and yeah. i'm not just talking like forever i'm talking about like certain eras um because certain eras of a rivalry are definitely stronger than others um well there have been, gonna... there have been pretty much none in the past i'd say at least 10 10 years 10 15 10 years, years. Well, i mean there's there, there have been a couple of small ones but there... yeah i mean but probably the best rivalry since the nhl lockout might be chicago vancouver the year-long lockout might be chicago vancouver that's the only one that jumps to mind um and you know, I, what's I, happening? The best rivalry of the year this year has been uh, Calgary, Van, uh, Calgary, Edmonton, just because of what's happened with <clears throat> Cask and Chuck. But who knows how long that's yeah. going to hold on? For. Well, I mean, I think they're they're both talented young teams, and uh, I think you know if, uh, it, it, if they can kind of sustain their momentum, um, it could become a good rivalry in future years. Oh, for sure. Sh- sure. <clears throat> so basically, for me. Um, what I constitute a real a good rivalry is play each other in the playoffs because that usually builds the best rivalries. Yeah. Um, to me, the quality of the teams. I'm sorry, no one is going to say a really good rivalry now is uh, thrown out there. Buffalo, Detroit, because even though they might play competitive games, neither team has made the playoffs in the last half decade. Well, exactly. Uh, um. <laughs> Yeah, both teams would neither have, have had to win either either dominated the uh, either not just say the series, but it has to be competitive. It can't be just like um, they've played each other in the playoffs all these years and only one team has won. 
But like, yeah, <clears throat> at least there's some sort of rivalry where it's either one team's dominate the regular season, other teams dominate the playoffs, and the and playoff series have gone at least seven games a couple of times. Yeah, um, uh, competitive yeah um also there has to be to me a dislike amongst the players there have to be some like cheap uh, shots between the between the whistles and uh well and the fans too you know just like uh, between the fans i think also helps yeah like i said that goes to also my final point is fan anticipation um the media can build stuff as much as they want but if the fans don't buy into it to me it's it's not a real rivalry, like to me as a as a Toronto <clears throat> Leafs fan, maybe I'd say the Leafs' only true like rival right now might be the Boston Bruins. Even it's though the, the Bruins, thing. yeah, it's the closest thing. Even though the Bruins have, if you say, dominated the playoffs, even though all three series have gone seven games and they've all gone to the third period. It's just the in Leafs game seven. It's just the least forget. It's just the least. It's just the least. It's just at least forget that they have to show up for Game Seven and play. Not so much Game Seven; it's Game Seven, third period. Well, um, yeah. I mean, all three uh, the Game Seven losses in twenty thirteen, uh, eighteen, and nineteen, all games were. Uh, I mean, the Leafs had the lead in uh, going into the third in two of those three games. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's not so much Game Seven; it's the third period in Game Seven. It's the closeout. But I'm pretty sure in 2018, yeah, if I if I if I'm not mistaken, they 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 kind of no showed the game. I think in general. Well, they were they were uh well no Game Seven in 2018 they were up by one going into the third. Oh really? It was the only one. Yeah, they were up by yeah no they were up by one going into the third. Oh. It's just Freddie Anderson probably played one of his worst playoff games of his career, and oh. Jake Card Jake Gardner went a minus four in the third period. Freddie Anderson is a part-time starting goaltender. It's funny though. Freddie is. <clears throat> I don't. As a Leaf fan, this may be blasphemous, but I don't know if he's the goalie to get the Leafs over the. I don't to, think he is. He's shown signs, but oh, he's shown signs. I mean, this year yeah. was his worst year of his career statistically. Yeah, I, 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 didn't, I didn't. I really didn't think that he was overly impressive. Uh, yeah, no, they, I mean, it's funny, goes. this was his worst year as a starting goalie, but this was the first year he actually made the All-Star game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for the work he's done for the Leafs in years past. Um, I mean, Freddie Anderson does have the talent to be probably top five, definitely top ten goalie in the league, but he just needs to be more consistent. And who knows, maybe he's be- being overworked. Who knows? Yeah. Um, well, okay. What, what, what he, we... oh, sorry. sorry, go on. I was going to say, well, why don't we get to our list? Okay, yeah. Um, and I'm going to start off with uh, um, a Toronto uh, uh, rival. Probably, at least in the last 30 years, uh, Toronto's biggest rival. And I'm going to say it's the Ottawa Senators. And I'm going specifically um, between 2000 and 2004. They played each other in the playoffs uh, four out of five times. The Leafs did win every series. However... Ottawa dominated the regular season, uh, winning the regular season uh, matchups for those five years. Uh, what to me, what made this rivalry big is not just all the playoff matchups. Two, the last two years, they both went to Game Seven, mm-hmm. uh, and there was ch- the teams generally, genuinely did not like each other. Uh, oh, they hated rather, each other. 
Oh yeah, no. If this wasn't a media-driven battle of Ontario, these teams it has hated been each since other. Then, but oh, it has been since. Yeah, and I think that's CBC just trying to get ratings for a Saturday night or opening night. Yeah, uh, of the season. Um, but uh, if you look at just the certain incidents uh, with, um, say, Matt Sundin uh, being suspended for a game for throwing a stick in the crowd. And then the game he missed, Alfredson fake throwing the stick in the yeah. crowd. You've got uh, Darcy Tucker jump, basically uh, jumping the entire uh, Senators bench um, for allegedly being spat on. By, by, can, by, by Chris Neal, yeah. More than likely Chris Neal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly, was never suspended in his entire career. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I believe. But uh, if you also look at, uh, remember the Leaf game we went to where um, Chara threw McCabe around like a rag doll. Yeah, but McCabe is, excuse my language, but a little shit, and, and I think deserved it. <laughs> yeah, but also Chara tore his shoulder doing that too and missed some time well, too. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, never liked, I never liked McCabe. So. <laughs> and then we'll never forget Game 5, 2002, when Alfredson drove Tucker into the boards from behind. Yeah. No penalty, and Alfredson's left all alone scores the game-winning goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's uh, – it's definitely not a media pickup rivalry. The playoff matchups helped, but it's definitely not, um, uh, as what you say, uh, a media built-up battle of Ontario. Yeah, it's it, it definitely had – I'm on the fence about this one. Um I, uh, I mean, they had. Sorry, what was it? Four years. When they played each other four or five years. The only one they missed was uh, 03. Yeah. So they so that so so for four out of five years in the first half of uh, the twenty, the two thousands. Um, it 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 had it it wasn't. I think it was a it was a pretty solid rivalry, especially with some of the intrigue that you just mentioned. I mean, the, the, certainly the teams didn't like each other, and I remember it quite well. Um, but I mean, on the other hand, um, you know, the Leafs won every series, including, including one of those series is actually was, was a sweep too. Yeah. Um, in, uh, 2001. And it hasn't been a relevant rivalry since then either. You know, it's, I mean, now, now it's devolved to the point where in Ottawa, if you go to, if you go to Leafs, Leaf Center's game in Ottawa, it's basically a Leafs home game. Um, because Ottawa fans just don't really, don't really care about it essentially. Um, I think in about two or three years, this could probably this rivalry's got a chance to be pretty damn good because Ottawa's got two fo- top picks in the in the first round this year. Theirs and San yeah. Jose's. It, 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 uh, they I've, got in the Carlson trade. I, yeah, I think I think Ottawa um, has potential to be a good team in a few years. Um, the only, I guess, uh, area of uh, a bit of skepticism is I'm not convinced that uh, the Senators. Management and ownership group just won't screw things up. Essentially, you know, I'm, I'm not convinced that they won't trade away some of these players for you know, yeah, garbage basically. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, it's funny with the the sense their future. If they if somehow they luck out and get first overall pick and get Lafreniere, uh, there's your basically Ottawa's version, I think, of what they can build around with like the Leafs did with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Assuming Melnick doesn't yeah. trade him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Doesn't trade the first round pick for some magic bean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But um, no, I'm liking where the Senators are going. They've got, I mean, DJ Smith seems to be a decent coach. Yeah. Um, 
they gave they played the Leafs three times this year. Gave the Leafs a handful every single time. Well, and and, they, and I will say that is actually probably one area where there, where maybe there is still kind of remnants of a rivalry. Is Ottawa does get up for games against Toronto, even if the team sucks and probably yeah. plays like like dog poop against every other team, they will get up against Toronto. Yeah, and I I noticed that with. Um, Montreal with the Toronto Montreal rivalry as well. I'll yeah. get into a bit later. Is even when uh, one team is a lot better than the other, the team lower in the standings will still get up for it. Just because I mean, if you can't get up for even what's been historic rival, your coach is probably going to bag skate you uh, for the next uh, next practice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So- uh, anything else on uh, Leaf Sens uh, early two thousands? Any memories? Any uh, favorite um, moment? No, you pretty much covered it all. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, it, I mean, in a, in a league that's been starved of rivalries, like I would say in our lifetime, um, there there really hasn't been much, and this is this is probably one of the closest things to a real rivalry. Yeah, that we've seen. Yeah, yeah. I think also um, what's our hurt rivalries um, over the, at least the past thirty years, maybe even forty, is expansion. Just because you don't yeah. play, you only play the teams two or three times. Well, most of my rivalries, they play each other in the regular season almost a dozen times plus playoffs. Well, and that's the thing is, yeah, and that's the thing. That's is- what builds a rivalry is basically when you play the guys so much, you develop a, almost a hatred. Well, and that's the thing is too, and it, it, what one one characteristic I've noticed of of the contemporary NHL rivalry is it typically lasts for only a couple of years and then it fizzles out and it becomes yeah. irrelevant. Like for example, right now, you know, I don't think anyone cares about a game between the Vancouver Canucks and Chicago Blackhawks. But ten years ago, definitely that was a very you know a very hot matchup. But, but oh, for sure, but no yeah. one cares about it now. And no one cared about yeah, it before. Out, about outside of uh, Chicago and Vancouver, and that's just another regular season. Yeah, there was about two. It was about three, about two or three seasons where it was a rivalry, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, what what would you count as the l- longest rivalry right now in the NHL? Um, maybe, tr- maybe Toronto, Boston, maybe. But I, uh, I, I, I. But again, yeah, real kind of rivalry. I guess if you if you. If you could say that the rivalry Pittsburgh, that rivalry, sorry, Leafs Bruins, that one started in yeah. 2013, or um, yeah. probably, and it's yeah, still. Win. I would say probably what Washington Pittsburgh actually. That that's that's yeah. actually a pretty good rivalry. Come to think of it, uh, yeah, Washington and it's been going on for a while. That, that, that's uh, and that base is basically around Sid Novi. Yeah, exactly, and, and and their team, their their fans hate each other. Same thing actually with Pittsburgh in in, in uh, Philadelphia. Uh, that one's actually yeah. probably. That was actually probably one of the best rivalries I've seen in the NHL since 2000, if not the best. Because unlike unlike the Leafs rivalries they have with various teams, um, it's actually sustained itself consistently. And I well, it's funny. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I was going to say it's 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 it sustained itself consistently. What's helped with Pittsburgh though is when they did win the draft, the their, their inaugural draft lottery to get Sid. Um, it helps that Pittsburgh's been competitive. Yeah. Um, for the last what I guess now close to fifteen years. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I I think their 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 time is done now, but. Uh, um, yeah, uh, but- I agree. Um, I wouldn't be. Su- I mean, they've had the their big two in Sid and Malkin. Yeah. 
for 15 years. They've gotten out of it. They've been to four finals. Yeah. You can't say it's uh, since uh, career's been wasted, to say the least. Oh, no. You know, and, and I mean, yeah, definitely not. Um, I, I mean, I, I, maybe it's not done, done, but I, I think uh, in order for them to kind of have another run, um, I mean, you know, they certainly have the p- potential to any, as long as they have Malkin and Sid on the team. But I, th- I think they're, they're going to have to do kind of a little bit of a rebuild in terms of the personnel they have around those players. I, I, I agree. I, I even think I wouldn't be surprised if actually Montreal upsets them in the, in the best of five play. I wouldn't be surprised, even though I'm not a huge fan of Montreal. But uh... Neither am I. But we, we've all seen Carey Price when he's well-rested. We all know what can happen. Yeah, I, I just don't think they're very good. And Carey Price hasn't been the same player in, what, five years maybe? Maybe three or four well, years when they pushed off yeah. 11 years ago. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so what's, uh, my number seven is um, uh, Detroit, Colorado from the late 90s. Um, this all, I mean, both of these teams were absolute elite, Uh from 96 to 01, these teams won uh, a combined, what, uh, four cups in six, in six years? Yeah, the, the, uh, it, it, it was unlike, unlike the Leafs and Senators. Uh, this, was, this, was a meet, this was a meeting of, like, of, of heavyweights. Of cup, of cup winners uh, as opposed to just a couple of good teams. Both, both teams having you know, multiple Hall of Famers. Oh, exactly. Like multiple um, Hall of Famers each, that is, not total each. Yeah. And uh, this rivalry took a bit of a, I want, I want to say dark side, uh, when uh, Claude Lemieux drove Chris Draper into the boards from behind, shattering his face. So, so, so that was, so, uh, so, so, which is to say it certainly meets a criteria where, where the players not liking each other. <laughs> oh, big time. <laughs> especially when you've got Detroit players saying after the series, I'm embarrassed to shake their hands after the series, after the series is over. Well, I, I would think um, that would be a, be a no doubter at that point. <laughs> oh yeah. No, these, again, this goes to almost pure hatred. Yeah. Um, and it, like I said, it also helped that uh, these were elite teams too. And let's face it. Uh, they saw each other quite a few years in the playoffs either when Detroit was in the West. Um, yeah. And um, and they did go back and forth. I mean, like I say, Colorado won Cups in 96 and 01. Detroit, 97, 98. Hell, even 02. That yeah. was last one of the last times they actually faced each other in the playoffs in the Western Final. Yeah, it's it's definitely so, been a while. And, and, and you know, and, and it was it was another one of those – it, it was an intent. It was it was a very intense rivalry while it lasted, but it was a short one. I'd say at the longest ninety six to 02, which is six years, well, which not is about bad, seven yeah. seasons. Yeah, it's not bad, but the games we well, saw, but even in the season, no one will ever forget Chris Oswood and Patrick Waugh going at it at center ice. Yeah, that's true. I, that that one I think had all the had all the the you know the characteristics. Oh, th- this the, one uh, ticked off every box for me. It's just, um, it's just what, what I wish the NHL had is what baseball has. And I, it, it is, is basically these rivalries, these intergenerational rivalries that have lasted for like 100 years or more. Like, like the Red Sox yeah. and Yankees. I, 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 I really wish the NHL had that. Um, I think that probably the best way to do it is 
it's funny though because you want the fans to see uh, have at least every team come into their yard their arena once during the year. Yeah, but to me, almost absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah, where uh, like certain rivalries where you might only see them in baseball, you play 162 games. The Cubs and the Cardinals play combined only 19 games, and Cubs and the Cardinals is the National League version, essentially, of the uh, Red Sox-Yankees as yeah. far as his- historic rivals go. Yeah. Even maybe uh, Giants and Dodgers. Those are your top three rivals in baseball. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I also think what happened in baseball a lot of times is with uh, no salary cap, teams can be better longer. Uh, I, I think salary cap causes <laughs> parity, and that's what sometimes can kill a rival. rivalry. Yeah. It, is when one team mops the floor with the other, is that really a rivalry? Yeah, exactly. That's true. Hell, even since uh, 03, when the Yankees-Red Sox started kicking it again, there's been lulls, um, especially uh, around uh, 2011, uh, after the Red Sox won their second title, where Boston took a bit of a dip and uh, Yankees were still an elite team. No well, one really. yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean um, and before, I guess, the – the late nineties, uh, you know, when, uh, the Red Sox, you know, had well, like Pedro and Omar Garcia Parra, um, the rivalry was kind of reached, was kind of kickstarted then. But before that, I don't really think it was, it had been a, a significant no, rivalry in a while in terms of, it, it, Problem? It, sorry, Problem. I was just going to say the last time the Yankees riv- Red Sox rivalry was any sort of worth anything was back in the, um, the Yastrzemski uh, Fisk era for Boston, but I th- but I, I think though the hatred between the teams and the fans though has endured I, for that. For, yeah, for, I think that's uh, that's definitely more of a fan base uh, rivalry, well, especially during low years. I think. Oh, for sure. I mean, that, I think that's what makes uh, almost a um, if it's a dead rivalry in in the standings in the stands. It, it can be a true uh, rivalry. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, whereas in the NHL, to be honest, I, I kind of think it kind of seems as as if when when the on ice rivalry fizzle, fizzle, fizzles out, everyone just sort of forgets about it. Yeah, um, I think it's just probably because the NHL's. I mean, maybe the NHL schedule is just so grinding that you really can't focus. Yeah. Um, but hell, baseball plays double the amount, but. It's an interesting topic. Is why do why does baseball uh, have probably uh, probably the best rivalries? Um, and it's probably because maybe it's a, it's a not, traditionally a non contact sport, and when there's yeah. contact, it it, it sh- it's a shock value. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if if you have a bench clearing brawl in in baseball, it's definitely something that that's headline grabbing. Whereas you know, a big brawl in hockey is well, yeah, it, it's, it's exciting, talked about for it, a day. Talked yeah. about for a day or two, and that's it. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I mean, the I mean, back in 2016 when uh, Odor sucker punched Batista, you still talk about it when the Jays play the Rangers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so you got anything more about uh, any favorite moments from the Colorado uh, rivalry back in the late '90s, early 2000s? Not really, to be honest. My me- my memory of it is pretty hazy. I mean, of course, I remember the the, the Draper and uh, um, Lemieux uh, 
you know, incidents. Incident. Um, actually, <laughs> I sort of, I guess, a sub rivalry from around the same time that I just would just kind of like to throw in there was uh, yep. uh, Avalanche and Stars. That was a really good rivalry too in the late nineties. Yeah, and that one was based pure on two excellent teams going at it. Yeah, exactly. There, I don't think there was any there were any really incidents. Uh, it was just two amazing teams that you know. I, I especially remember 99, you know, after the Avalanche had gone flurry and, uh, and he played out of his mind for Colorado during this, his sort of rental period. Yeah. Um, and, Before he went up to New York, yeah. Yeah, and that playoff series uh, between them was, was incredible. I think it was the Western Finals. Yeah. Um, when Dallas uh, acquired, because uh, they, Dallas did some, uh, some shopping, to say the least, when they got uh, Ed Belfour uh, via free agency, uh, the goalie finally put him over the top. They got yeah. um, they got Joe Newendike. They they picked and Dallas also picked up uh, Brett Hall. Yeah, uh, and then Col- and then Colorado, <laughs> they always had Sackett Forsberg. Yeah, uh, when they picked up Theo Fleury, that was that was a hell of a pickup because uh, Theo was. Uh, I mean, Theo Fleury's a 500 goal scorer, so obviously, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and that was that was right. Like he was, uh, he played some of his best hockey actually during that little, you know, because part helps that he was playing for a contract, but still, yeah. Sorry, helped that he was playing for a contract, but still, yeah, true, he was playing for a contract. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, but uh, the Western Conference back in the late 90s was essentially Dallas, Detroit and Colorado for the most part. Yeah, pretty much. And all three teams had Hall of Fame goalies. Yeah. I mean, St. Louis um, was pretty good, but... Uh... Yeah, the Blues were good, but they they just couldn't get over the hump for whatever reason. Yeah. Because um, they had Roman Turk and Nett, who uh, could steal games, but he couldn't steal series. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, so yeah. what's, your, what's your next one? Number six, I'm going to go back uh, way back. I'm going to go Blackhawks, Red Wings, but I'm going to go early, early to mid sixties. This uh, for doing research on this podcast. I, I talked to my dad because uh, he lived through some, probably the era of the best pure hockey rivalries, which is the sixties, seventies and eighties. Yeah. Um, and to get his retrospective, and he def- in one one of them he said was in the sixties. He had Chicago, Detroit. I mean, the Blackhawks won their last cup in sixty in sixty one before uh, the Taze Kane dynasty mini dynasty, and they had they had obviously they were led by um, Bobby Hall. Who, yeah, uh, who, I mean, you don't have to say all you have to say is Bobby Hall, and everyone knows who you're talking about. Oh yeah. And Detroit had Gordie Howe. Yeah. Um, Detroit didn't win any cups in the 60s, but they were always competitive. They just either couldn't beat Toronto or Chicago. They were always stuck playing. They made it to quite a few cup finals. They just couldn't get over the hump for whatever reason. Yeah. But, uh, no, these teams had had Hall of Famers in, in net. Um, I mean, this was – uh, it wasn't until about the mid '60s when uh, Tony Esposito came in uh, net for Chicago, but um, it, it was a classic original six rivalry. It was getting to the end of Chicago's run uh, as an elite team, but they still they still had 
like I said, both teams had Hall of Famers. It was from what uh, I've done my research on these teams wouldn't say a word to each other um, during the regular season or playoffs or even in the off season. Yeah. These guys actually, this is also before free agency where every, and before the union where everybody was not your buddy, buddy. Yeah. Um, These, these teams, um, they say it's uh, Chicago, Detroit's also not that far away from each other either. So they play each other in the regular season quite a bit. They developed a rivalry and it, it was competitive. I mean, not a lot of, this is a lot like Toronto, Ottawa, not a lot of cups won, but they were also, they weren't bottom feeders in the early sixties either. Well, and actually something I like to add too, is I'm just looking at the history of the rivalry. It's been an enduring rivalry too, uh, because mm-hmm. between 1934 and 2013, they faced each other six, uh, 16 times. Uh, and most recently in a, in, 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 in a 2013 Western conference, um, the, the semifinals, uh, it went, they faced each other and it went seven. Uh, the Blackhawks winning the series. Yeah, no, like you say, they were in the, they were pretty much in the, they were in the West up until, um, uh, pretty much up until about 2013 when uh, the Atlanta Thrashers moved to Winnipeg and uh, they moved uh, Columbus and Detroit to the East. And uh, Detroit, Chicago is, I mean, when you got two class, like I said, it's just two classic teams and led probably by two of the greatest pure goal scorers of all time. Yeah. Two point players of all time, really. Yeah. And, and just, again, just kind of looking at the sort of, uh, you know, the, to, like the history of their rivalry again, it's, it's been pretty, it's been a kind of a seesaw rivalry. Um, you know, mo- like, like, uh, I mean, Chicago is one in term in terms of like postseason wins, losses, um, Chicago has won the all-time series 43 to 38. So it's been pretty competitive. And, uh, yeah. you know, in, in terms of, uh, the series outcomes, it's been back and forth. Like, uh, the Blackhawks won 2013, the, the you know, then, t- uh, t- uh, 2009, the Red Wings won, you know, and, uh, uh, well, the Red Wings actually won the last two, uh, prior to that, but then the Blackhawks won the, the, the two before that and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's definitely not a uh, predictable. And it's, I mean, if you, both teams had long cup drubs. Yes. Uh, before they uh, finally uh, broke uh, broke uh, free. Well, before 90, what, what was it, 97? Or was it 96? When the, when the, 97 when Detroit broke their cup drought, and that was about 50 years. Oh, was it 50 years? Okay. Yeah, um, Chicago went almost 50 years. Yeah, I knew that. Rangers, before they won the Cup in, in 94, they went 50, 50 years. years. Yeah, I remember that. 54. I think uh, I think just the other day was a, was the anniversary. Yeah. And, I mean, the if you think about it, the Rangers have only won one Cup in 80 years, which is actually kind of sad. Yeah, it is. Because <laughs> they uh, – I think they made a Cup final, didn't they? In 20- they made a Cup final. When and, was that? Uh, got, I want to say – 2014 uh, when they the lost uh, right? against the yeah, Kings and the Kings swept. beat them at five. Oh, it's five. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was so, either a sweep or five. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Rangers haven't exactly had a rich history. No, for a New York team, that's kind of surprising. Yeah. But if you're going to look at uh, true classic uh, original six teams uh, in the, uh, just before uh, the last era before expansion, Chicago, Detroit is. And these teams took no prisoners too, because 
Um, for, like I said, I'm going by some of what my uh, my dad told me in some research. And let's face it, back in these days, the the refs only blew a penalty essentially if a guy was uh, decapitated on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then they were uh, iffy. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, uh... Yeah, back in uh, so we're gonna deep dive now into uh, po- uh, pre Kerry uh, Bettman era <laughs> with our <laughs> rivalry. Because I'm going to go number five, um, probably two of the most physical teams from the 70s. I'm going to go the Broad Street Bullies and the New York Islanders. Um, Philly won uh, back-to-back cups uh, in 74-75. The Islander, and even going into the late 70s when the Islanders started coming around uh, before their dynasty, they were... They were nipping on the heels, either have a playoff disappointment or just gaining experience. Yeah. And uh, what teams learned in the 70s to survive is you had to be tough. Yeah. Because uh, they saw how the Flyers won back-to-back Cubs. They saw the Boston Bruins beefing up. Yeah. Uh, the New York Rangers were beefing up. And um, Montreal was, even though they were basically almost a pure skill team, even Montreal was getting tougher. Yeah. Uh, when the Islanders in the late 70s. But ironically, um, I thought when they had their dynasty, they were more of a skill team. I could be wrong, but I thought they were. They were, but they weren't also afraid to throw the body. Oh, okay. Um, if you look at, uh, I mean, they eventually uh, adopted. They If you, uh, if you can't... Uh, you can't touch us if you can't uh, catch us sort of deal. Yeah. But uh, even they, they, they still had a few guys who weren't afraid to throw the body or not, not fight, but just willing to get into the corner. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, th- but, I think, I think the flyers definitely uh, earlier in the seventies kind of, kind of defines the style of play for the next, you know, well, I mean, really you throw the eighties as well, you know, so for, so yeah, for the, next, the, the uh, broad 15, street bullies set. Seasons. Yeah, the yeah exactly the Broad Street Bullies, led by Bobby Clark mm-hmm. and Wayne Cashman, um, when he eventually got there, set set the standard for how, how to win. Basically, yeah. beat your opponent senseless. I mean, there's still the. I mean, every, a lot of people still know the Philly flu. Yeah, is uh, anytime you uh, got into uh, the spectrum, you weren't feeling so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, and it was pure intimidation. I mean, a lot of uh, hockey historians also know that the Soviet Union, when they were the Red Army, when they were doing the tour, were getting beat up by Philly so much, they were actually wanted to quit the game halfway through. <laughs> the wow. infamous Bob Cole line, they're going home, they're going home. Well, that, yeah, until that, was, that, yeah, that was... Oh, sorry. Yeah, but say, until they were reminded that... Uh, if you don't complete this game, we're suing you <laughs> because well, you signed a contract. <laughs> Yeah, that was back when 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 Russia played a you know very different style of hockey and uh, yeah when the Soviets played uh, the the physical style the um, intimidating style and, and yeah and once they started playing that the, the physical style that's when actually Russia well Soviet Union slash Russia became a real force in hockey yeah and again they adopt they adopted from the Philadelphia Flyers interesting all right yeah. so, uh, what's next on uh, your list. Yeah, number four, um, going to another rivalry from the 70s. I'm going to go, um, like we talked about earlier, New York-Boston, uh, Rangers-Bruins. Uh, they played each other in the 72 Cup Final. Um, 
Boston won it. Uh, guys um, took no prisoners. They played each other in the playoffs quite a few years. Um, and also, seemingly, also probably pulled off uh, both teams combined one of the biggest trades in hockey history when Phil Esposito got flipped to the New York Rangers for uh, Brad Park in, uh, in Rattel. Yeah. Uh, when when uh, Esposito, when the Bruins uh, first year after Don Cherry became manager or head coach, went out in the first round, Don Cherry told the GM, we need to make a change. And next thing you know, um, Brad Park and Dave Rattel uh, are in Boston. Phil Esposito goes to the Rangers. And Montreal plays Boston three straight years in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Beats Boston three straight years. Two of them were in the Stanley Cup final. But, oh, yeah. uh, but uh, no, the Rangers and Bruins in the uh, early 70s yeah. were, again, it was competitive. They, Like I said, they only played each other in the Stanley Cup final once. But they, this was a kind of um, an era where you could play each other in the Stanley Cup finals and then a conference finals right afterwards. Uh, and then in the next year, it was all about seeding overall as opposed to um, conferences. Interesting. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, but uh, these guys, again, um, it was when the 70s started, it was, it, and they saw it, it was getting a bit more physical. It was a take no prisoners uh, style. And again, yeah. the star power on these, on these teams with Oris, Pizzito, Rattel Park, you got Cheevers and net for the, uh, for the Bruins. Yeah. It was, <clears throat> And you also, you had the New York-Boston rivalry. I mean, yeah. whether it be uh, Yankees-Red Sox, uh, Jets-Patriots, um, hell, Knicks-Celtics, the New York-Boston rivalry is a real thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Um, no, matter, uh, no matter what sport. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, okay. So my – sorry, go on. No, no, I was going to – that was it. Yeah, my uh, number three is um, I'm going to go uh, Toronto Montreal in the '60s. They played each other in the Cup final uh, quite a few times in this. It, um, <clears throat> last, uh, the last Leafs uh, dynasty, which was in the '60s, when they won uh, four cups in seven years, uh, led by probably what I would like to call what I call and probably a lot of people the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf of all time, Dave Keon. In a franchise that has not had a lot of great players, I should add. Yeah, I mean, outside of Keon, maybe Frank Mahovlich, and maybe that's about it of having what a lot of people consider the best player in the league or top five player in the league. Um, Toronto, let's face it, has never truly had the the best pure player in the league. Probably the closest they've had since maybe Sittler is um, maybe Sundin, maybe Matthew. Yeah. That's it. It's not saying much. I, I, I'm going to offer an opinion here, and I'm just looking. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, I know you haven't completed your list. Uh, but I'm just looking here, and these teams have only faced each other 15 times in the playoffs, the last time of which was in 1979. And Montreal has won the postseason series 42 uh, to, to, to 29. Montreal also won four of the last five series against the Leafs. To be honest, it was a beatdown when they faced each other. They haven't faced each other since 79. Only 15 
you know, times only only 15 matchups as well in the playoffs, which is which isn't that many given, you know, given, you know, how long these teams have been have been around for. And by by comparison, the Bruins Canadian rivalry, and I, this might be on your list. So, you know, if it is, uh, I apologize. Mm-hmm. This one, though, these teams have, have faced each other. I can't even count how many times I'd have to actually put put you on hold for a couple of minutes while I count. <laughs> uh, they, they have faced each other between 1929 and 2014 numerous times. Uh, like since the start of the millennium alone, they face each other. It looks like I'm counting uh, six times. Uh, my math could be off, but I, but I see six times. And it's been a real seesaw. Well, for the most part, it's been a pretty seesaw rivalry. Well, well, sorry. I mean, especially in the past, you know, um, 20 years or so. Like, I think that's a much better rivalry. The reason I most um, – Toronto and Montreal hasn't played each other quite a bit is also Toronto was in the Western <laughs> they Conference were. That's for true. Quite, a, quite, quite a few years. But, 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 uh, but my other point, though, is that it was also a beatdown when it was a rivalry. Yeah, I mean, 42 to 29, it's definitely a one-sided. And four of I the mean, last five I'm, series as well, Montreal won. The, uh, in the 60s. Well, even in the 60s, um, Montreal beat them in 65, 66. I mean, the Leafs beat them in 67 once, yes. Then, then in 78. Didn't 70, the Leafs win the cup in 66? No? Well, it says Montreal beat them in the semifinals and swept them four games. Okay. Okay. Um, but. Uh, now, in the, early, in the early 60s, though, the Leafs did beat them two years in a row in 64. Yeah. Sorry, 63 and 64. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I've got here in the 60s, uh, I've just got here in the 60s period. Um, but in the sixties though, Toronto, Montreal are probably the two elite teams in the NHL. Yeah. Uh, everyone else was fighting for third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Yeah. Um, the star power on the teams, I mean, Montreal, they had the rocket, uh, who's probably the first pure goal scorer, uh, until, uh, Gordy Howe really, uh, came into his own. Um, and Toronto had guys like Keon and Mahovlich. Toronto had actually quite a few older players in the 60s. Yeah. But um, in the 60s, though, it was definitely more balanced. Yeah. It was a bit balanced. I, I agree with that. And that was the least the height actually, of the rivalry. The least actually technically – oh, wait a minute. No, if you count the six, six – yeah, so they, they beat each other three times each in the 60s. Yeah, that, yeah, that's okay. That's what I thought I had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, if, yeah, if, that's you were, I, if you're just focused on the '60s, I would agree that was a great rivalry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> since since '67, it really hasn't been much of a rivalry. I mean, Toronto had some decent teams in the '70s, but nothing. Problem is, they kept on. Montreal had probably one of the greatest dynasties of all time. Which might be foreshadowing into a future podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Um, the last great, really good Toronto team was in um, seven, uh, I think seventy-eight or seventy-nine, when they upset the uh, New York Islanders before the Islanders started their run. Yeah. When uh, Lanny McDonald scored in overtime um, to knock out the Islanders, which is one of the a lot of people consider probably one of the biggest playoff series upsets in Stanley Cup history. Yeah, that's when, true. Yeah, well, I mean, as Leaf fans, we'll always call it Lanny's goal. Yeah, huh. but in yeah. the '60s, though, it was it was literally give and take. And I mean, uh, the the only sort of I guess the only thing I'll I'll say though in the '60s 
even though they like they did they did face each other a lot. They beat each other three, three times each. Uh, in the sixties, Montreal swept them twice. Mm-hmm. No, it's it, there's definitely um, the series were. Um, like the, if you look at it as a whole, it was even. But when they faced each other, a lot of times it it could have been a beat down. Then the next next year, the team regrouped and basically laid the beat down on them. Yeah, essentially. Um, in fact, yeah. actually, out of the fifteen playoff matchups, Montreal has swept them four times. Yeah. No. Um, the ha- I mean, without a doubt, the Habs are the greatest franchise in Stanley Cup history in NHL history. There, I mean, you can't even argue it without a uh, without any sort of merit whatsoever. Sorry, I, uh, I, I know I'm rubbing this in. It, it's just as soon as I brought up the all time stat, the, the, like the history of the rivalry. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I, when I saw the stats, I was like, "This is a cheeseburger for me." I, I just, I yeah, can't no, not it, rub it, it in. Put it on a T for you, yeah. Uh, but if you just go in the 60s, it was pretty much the last time the Leafs were uh, an elite team. Yeah. Um, I mean, that they had a like, – well, 1993, I still think, uh, Toronto-Montreal Stanley Cup final, it would have been a lot more competitive, to say the least, than a, than the uh, LA-Montreal series. I think Toronto, it could have been. I think bet, it's, it's two. Yeah, I, uh, Toronto matched up better against uh, Montreal than LA did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, the only other time Toronto was really an elite team was uh, the first four years under Pat Quinn. Uh, yeah, they were, they were, they, they, I think they were a pretty good team, you know, that just unfortunately, well, for the most part, kept running into the Devils, which, you know, would, would, which yeah. is... Uh, and then in uh, nine, it was their first year under Quinn. They just moved from the Gardens to the Air Canada Centre. They make it to the Cup Finals, and they run into Dominic Hasek. Well, they ran to uh, Hasek in the trap, you know. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, Buffalo and, mastered the trap, and they were. Any, I think. I think also lack of experience probably caused them to run out of steam as, as well. Yeah, and uh, in two thousand two, they made it uh, to the conference finals against Carolina, but that team was so injury plagued. I mean, they yeah. actually beat the Senators <laughs> in the in oh two in the second round without Matt Sundin, who broke his wrist. Yeah, um, came back for the conference finals, but you can tell. Uh, the Leafs were just so banged up at 0-2. I also think um, the Carolina team was pretty good. Oh, the Carolina team was very good. I mean, Detroit that Detroit team in 0-2 with uh, about five or six Hall of Famers, they, Detroit beat them in five, but uh, a lot of those games were close, including a triple overtime game. That Carolina team, yeah, that was the best Archer Survey has ever played in his career. Well, and, and, that, and, that, and that Detroit team was just so utterly – Utterly ridiculously stacked that I don't oh, think God, I, yeah. I, I, I don't in the NHL at least. I mean, you know, I don't think. I mean, I, I know the Miami Heat and Golden State Warriors would say hello, but in the NHL at least, I don't think I've ever seen a team so stacked in my life as that uh, Red Wings. Okay. Team. And, and that's the beauty of the pre-cap era. Yeah, is they Detroit had guys like Eisenman, Fedorov, uh, Lidstrom. Oh yeah, let's go sign Brett Hall and Luke Robitaille. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it was just ridiculous. Try. Yeah, but uh, I mean, Toronto, Montreal. Though this was the and peak then Shanahan of the... too. Oh yeah. Well, they yeah they got Shanahan from Hartford a couple of years, just a couple a year or so before too. Yeah. So the, so they I mean they had like what like like at least five Hall of Famers. Five or six Hall of Famers. At least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, Iceman. You count them like Iceman, better off Shanahan, Lidstrom, uh, Hall, Robitaille. Like, goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> 
Exactly. But going back to the Toronto Montreal in the sixties, like I said, it was it truly was the last time Toronto was a perennial Stanley Cup team. Uh, before it was combination of um, what caused Toronto's downfall was the expansion era, but more likely it was the sale of the team. Well, bad from Ron Smythe to Harold Ballard. But yeah, they they had a lot of bad ownership. Even in a post Ballard era, I think their ownership was was was. I, like, I remember it wasn't yeah. great in the 90s as well. Yeah, well, it was after Ballard passed away. Uh, the team was in limbo for quite a few years in the well. Steve Stavros of Knob Hill Farms took over. Well, that's right. And I remember Stavros. Um, he, he was a bit of a, t- that a twitch, he, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, then Ken Dryden essentially became president of the team. Yeah. Steered the ship quite a bit. And then once the year-long lockout happened um, – and the salary cap world was put in. The Leafs ran into some really bad management. Ken Dryden left. They put Ferguson Jr. in. And then that's when also the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan t- excuse me, took over. And they only cared about regular season box office. They didn't care about playoff. Um, and, and that was around when they lost me, if you, if yeah. you recall. You know, it was that era when I, I just became. I, I, yeah. No, I remember. Um between say uh, 05 and uh, 2013, as a Leaf fan, it was tough. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, a couple of, yeah, a couple of years. The first two years after lockout, they were in it until the final weekend of the year. But there was outside of that, t- Toronto ownership really didn't. Part of my language didn't give a shit about winning, yeah. and it was pain- painfully obvious. Yeah, um, and, and if the funny thing is, when Bell and Rogers announced their corp, their their joint ownership, uh, or their, their, that's when that's when things turned around. And, and ironically, you know, given my own personal opinions of both companies, which I think are probably actually <laughs> shared by a large proportion of the population of Canadians, I kind of <laughs> thought, okay, well, I don't think things are going to get any better <laughs> with the Leafs. <laughs> yeah, but, and uh, they brought in Tim Lywicki, who just turned around pretty much the Los Angeles sports scene. He was there for about a week in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, but he uh, he was a smart guy. He, turned, he only stayed turned for a week. EFC around. Turned Toronto FC around. Yeah, he brought he brought the St. John's Maple Leafs to Toronto, um, the Toronto Marlins. Uh, he also and then in, brought in Masayu Jiri to run the Raptors. He brought in, and that was his best friend, in my opinion. And he put the right guys in. But bringing bringing he, in bringing in Jiri was actually his best move, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he like I say, uh, he, to redo. I mean, TFC made it to three finals in four years, three MLS Cups in four years. Yeah, uh, he brought in Masai Jerry, resurrected the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, I, I said like, that was. I think that was his best move. Oh, by far. Yeah, uh, and he brought in Brendan Shanahan to basically, if anything, give the Leafs credibility. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, it made them. I think it made them into a decent team. Uh, I, I don't know if they will become a good team, but uh, but it's made them into a solid team at the very least, though. Well, basically, it's made it. Uh, if anything, the Le- it's basically turned the Leafs into a team that, let's face it, you don't consider the Leafs aren't a pushover anymore. No, no, it's it, 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 as you said, it's brought some credibility to the team. Um, I think yeah. there's potential that uh, you know that they could uh, be you know be, become. Uh, you know, maybe an elite team. Um, 
Uh, I don't know. I, I, I really wasn't, I think they took a step back this season. I really do. Um, I, I kind of thought that they would actually take, take a bit of a leap forward just, just given how young they are. Um, but it's funny because this yeah. is where you and I differ a little bit. Um, the reason I, I'm differing a little bit is because once they got rid of Babcock, the Leafs were the eighth be- had the eighth best record in the NHL uh, and uh, fourth best record. Yeah, but they were they were trending downward in uh, uh, you know in, in the weeks leading up to the to the stoppage. Yeah, so. yeah, that trip to California didn't help. Um, yeah, they did. They did. You're right. They had a resurgence shortly after they got rid of Babcock. Which, to be honest with you, kind of looks to me like, uh, like, like they just got some momentum because they got rid of essentially the toxic cancer that that Babcock that that apparently Babcock was, uh, you know, unbeknownst to most people. Um, yeah, and it, and it gave them some temporary momentum, but I think I think that momentum would only last for so long because in a new year they really didn't look that good. Yeah, I mean, like I say, yeah, they didn't look that good. Injuries also, the Leafs did. Uh, didn't I mean, I know every team has to deal with injuries. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the Leafs never had a healthy defense core all year. Um, either, I mean, hell, they started the year missing. I know he was only like a fifth or sixth defenseman, but Travis Dermott, um, who had become a bit uh, solid. Morgan Riley even admitted he played most of the year hurt. Jeff yeah. Muzzin missed some time. Um, oh, they were depending what you up. think of them. Cody CC, like the, I mean, every team deals with rivalries or not rivalries, but injuries. Yeah, and I mean, also the Leaf schedule didn't help when you had ten back to backs in the first three months of the season, uh, which probably yeah. led to quite a few uh, injuries too. I mean, most the Leafs played ten back to backs before most teams even played five. Yeah, but I mean, you can't. Uh, yeah. I mean, the schedule. The schedule probably didn't help things, but it's de- it was. I mean, with the with the Leafs, I think they could. They sh- on paper they should be better than what their record says. There's no doubt. Oh, about I think that. they should. Yeah, like like I said, I, I went into the season um, believing that they would probably finally end uh, you know end their postseason curse or their their playoff yep. curse essentially. I thought that they would probably win a, win a series. I, I wasn't really sure how, how much farther beyond that they would go, but I, I did think that they would be a much better team. Yeah, and I think a lot of it this year was, it was let's face it, the terrible start didn't help uh, yeah. until they fired Babcock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think, like you say, uh, Frederick Anderson this year wasn't did underperform. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, I mean, do you, if you look at really truly the only true total bright spots, spots of the Toronto Leafs season this year would probably be Austin Matthews and maybe William Nylander. Yeah, Matt, Tavares, Matt. I think, took a step back, and I, but I think he had to play a politician in the back. Uh, yeah. And it affected his play a bit because, been. yeah, I mean, Tavares still had uh, like 22, 23 goals. No, he had a solid still season, a, yeah. He, he, he scored forty last. He scored uh, forty seven last year. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and, and, and so I'm just looking at the standings now, just to just to jog my memory because uh, yeah. So so basically, when the season was disrupted, it, it was actually a bit of a question mark as to whether they would even make the playoffs at all. And now, now they currently yeah they, they were currently, three, up, three up on Florida, uh, with the, and Florida had a game in hand. Yeah, they're they're currently well. 
yeah, they're, they're currently, you know, in one of the division leads. I, I hate the new playoff format, by the way. <laughs> uh, it's real thick top as opposed to the one versus eight. Yeah, I hate it. But I'm just looking. So basically, yeah. So, so we have Boston, Tampa, Toronto in the Atlantic divisions, the top three teams, then Washington, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh in the Metro division. And then the two wildcard teams are Carlin and Columbus. But you know what? Um, the ninth place team, the Islanders, the, the Leafs are only a point up on. Yeah, no, it, it, it's funny though. If you just take out Tampa and uh, Boston, that was, the East has been, was relatively competitive because Tr- uh, Boston, Tampa were so far hard at, Head of anybody, and Boston yeah. was ten points clear of anybody in the league. Well, Boston, Tampa, um, Washington are all. Well, actually, uh, Philadelphia is eighty-nine. No, Philly was white hot. Before yeah, they were the, white hot. The shutdown. So, um, actually, Pittsburgh was having a better season. I realized they had they had eighty-six points. So I I thought they were actually yeah. way out of it for some reason. Yeah, no, Pittsburgh. Uh, when Pittsburgh got healthy and Sid found another gear. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Again, there's why he's probably what he'll go down as one of the greatest. Oh, definitely. But um, but yeah, and that's actually I think we should do a future podcast on that uh, too. Uh, and it, uh, we did uh, NBA goats. Might we could probably do an easy one for hockey goats. Yeah, we should do hockey goats. Uh, but anyway, uh, what I was going to say is, uh, uh, I, I think it really is a legitimate question mark as to whether the Leafs will make the playoffs this year at all. Well, they have to get. I mean. This, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think they consider this play-in round uh, the playoffs. Well, aren't they going to leave the standings as is, and then they just play, you know, a bunch of games, and then whoever... No, they're going to be doing these uh, play-in rounds. Oh, Uh, okay. Yeah, the top four, the top uh, four seeds in each conference are going to play a round robin. Okay, so they're basically going to wipe the standings clean. Essentially, yeah. The, they said the regular season's over. Well, that's good news for the Leafs then. <laughs> yeah, the Leafs are technically in. They're going to be playing Columbus okay. in a best of five. Oh, they can. The Leafs right. are going to be the higher seed. That's right. Because of the two games they played each other, Toronto won one in regulation. Columbus won the other one in overtime. Yeah. So the Leafs got three points out of the two games they played. Yeah. So the Leafs are going to be considered the higher seed. So they'll have. It, home ice will mean nothing because they're going to be playing in a host city. So actually, like the Leafs will have uh, last change in three of the five games. So actually, having a nuclear bomb dropped on the season was, was actually the best thing for the Leafs, probably. Yeah, because I like yeah. because if things if things continued as they were, I really don't know if they would have made the playoffs. Yeah, or no, they were they were touch and go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, the Leafs were three up on Florida with a, and Florida had a game in hand. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but yeah, let's go back to our list, <laughs> <laughs> which we we strayed away from for like the past half hour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but going uh, for number two, I had the two most physical teams in the 1970s. I had Philly, Boston. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, you had the Broad Street Bullies and versus let's face face it, Don Cherry <laughs> and his style. Of oh play. yeah. I mean, these teams combined, they only won uh, three mm. cups in the 70s. Um, Boston in 72, Philly in 74, 75. And, but these two teams set the standard on physical hockey. Um, they basically made the Soviet Union into a tougher, into uh, a hockey powerhouse just by um, setting an example. Oh, yeah. Um, the, I mean, the Hall yeah. of Fame talent in both teams was um, 
was right there. I mean, Philly was uh, Philly was led by Bobby Clark. Regardless of what you think of him as a GM, what he did with the Flyers, mm-hmm. as a hockey player, he, he was probably one of the best in the seventies. Well, I mean, with, with, with the Flyers, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not going to necessarily bash him. You know, he tried to basically turn them into a, into an incarnation of the team that they were in his era, and I, I think he yeah. had some 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 success with it. I mean, he didn't win his cup, but. You know, I mean, they did make they did make the finals, and they get they got their ass yep. handed no, uh, to the, by the Red Wings, but they made it to the finals one year, and they yeah. made it, they made the it the finals too. Those Bobby Clark GM teams of the Flyers just didn't have the goaltending. No, exactly. <laughs> that was the big problem. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and, and unfortunately, I think I think Lind, I think if Lindros had been fully healthy, uh, yeah, for, you know, for his for his time in Philadelphia, some of the outcomes might have been a bit a little bit different, but. You know, yeah. I mean, if Philly was healthy in that uh, Eastern Conference Final against, um, guess it was what New Jersey. Yeah, I think it was New Jersey. In uh, in uh, guess it was what oh one. That was when Stevens basically uh, when the Stevens basically they put Scott Stevens into the Hall of Fame for hits. They're trying to get out of the league now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't care what anyone says. No, Stevens I was, I was I, I'm not a big fan of uh, Stevens. I, I think he was a goon. Yeah, um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know why he's in the Hall of Fame because he just hit people. Well, I, I, yeah, I, well, it's because he won a few Stanley Cups. Yeah, yeah, he, he was. Well, he was a captain of the yeah the team that won a few Stanley Cups, and he hit a few people as well. And apparently, apparently, that's the benchmark now for the for the. For the for the damn Hall of yeah, Fame. Well, if that's the case, Patrick McCaw is a damn right is a downright NBA Hall of Famer because he won three straight cups. Well, exactly. <laughs> or three straight NBA championships with the Warriors and Raptors. Exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> but uh, the Philly Boston rivalry in the seventies is probably the most physical yeah. uh, rivalry. Again, I'm going this a lot of what my uh, dad told me and from what I've read is. Uh, essentially, the, almost the rep, the referees were afraid to call penalties. Yeah, uh, when these two teams hooked up, because maybe they were afraid. I they mean, there was more thrown at each other than actually on the ice controlling the puck. Yeah. Oh, and you know, what? it helped. <clears throat> Sorry, go on. I was going to say, you know, the thing amazes me about this rivalry is, even though they've been in the same conference, obviously, um, for their like for their entire histories, uh, they've only faced each other six times in the playoffs yeah. total ever, which is incredible that they haven't faced each other more. Um, and four of those six times were in the seventies. Yeah. Uh, which is really interesting. Although I do remember, I'm sure you do too, the 2010 Eastern conference finals, which is just riveting. Um, yeah. You know, where, where the flyers beat the Bruins in uh, in seven. And then the next season they face each other again, and the, the root in the Bruins mop the floor with them. And uh, don't forget when uh, Philly blew a three games to nothing series lead against Boston. No, it was Boston. Yeah, was it Boston that blew the? Three? Yeah, Boston yeah, blew Boston. the. Three. Boston had a three games to nothing lead on Philly, and it was only the third time in history that a team came back from three nothing oh, to win the. Right. Yeah, I, I knew there there was some kind of big comeback in that series, but I couldn't remember the details. Yeah. Yeah, because that's when uh, Philly almost went on to win the uh, Stanley Cup, but they lost to Chicago in six. Yeah, and they they had a really yeah. good, they had a really good team, I mean, especially when you consider the stacked Blackhawks team they ran into that I think was unbeatable yeah. that year. Um, they, the fact they took them to six was impressive. Yeah, and Game Six was in overtime. I mean, Philly was one goal away to forcing a Game Seven. Yeah, exactly. No, but uh, I mean, these guys were these two teams, uh, Philly and Boston, were uh, 
to me the most physical uh probably the one of the most physical rivalries of all time yeah i mean they weren't like hall of fame team versus hall of fame team but they were well coached yeah regardless of what you think of don cherry now back in the 70s he was a hell of a coach yeah um he knew he knew to get the he got the most out of his players um he was a lot like what john tortorella is now um where he has the world against us mentality. Yeah. Um, and also a lot of people think of the same way of Don Cherry as you think of John Tortorella. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And, and I mean, John Tortorella is pretty outspoken and isn't afraid. Exactly. Of, you know, about what he said. both of them have never seen a microphone. They don't like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. But, um, and, 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 um, Cherry has, has thoroughly embraced the old man yells at cloud. Uh, uh, Simpsons know, meme, yeah. Yeah, Simpsons <laughs> meme, basically. <laughs> yeah, but if, I mean, Don Cherry did win a Jack Adams trophy as coach of the year in the 70s. Yeah, and during his time, um, he was definitely, you know, there's no doubt that he was, uh, you know, a smart hockey mind. It's just, I, it's just, I don't think his, 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 his view on hockey ever changed since the 70s. That was, I think that's his problem. And, and, not just his view on hockey. Well, his view on it. Um, <laughs> yes, his view on many things is not <laughs> So, but uh, yeah, no. And they like said uh, Philly was led by Bobby Clark. Boston was led uh, for Bob by Bobby Orr, and for a bit by uh, Phil Esposito. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the two of the uh, they're like two of the elite teams in the in the uh, in the seventies. And they set the bar, like I said, they set the bar on physical play. I mean, if, I mean, if you couldn't hang with Philly or Boston, you're you're in deep trouble, especially physically. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, before I get to my number one, uh, what are some rivalries that you think I left off my list that deserve an honorable mention? Um. Sorry, remind me. Yeah, you, you you covered the Blackhawks Canucks, or did you not? I can't remember. I we mentioned them a little bit, but they're not on my list okay. officially. Uh, I'll throw that one in, even though it, yeah, it it's not exactly the most sizzling rivalry. It, it was a good rivalry for a, for uh, I think like what for maybe two or three seasons. It was a very good rivalry. Yeah, I think it was about three or four seasons. Oh, it was a four or four. And, when she, and in uh, twenty eleven, when um. Uh, Vancouver actually Finally almost blew three nothing. Game seven came to overtime. Well, of course, because it was it was Vancouver. They were they were they were very, yeah. They were an immensely talented team. Like, my goodness, my goodness, were they soft though? Yeah. No, it's almost like what Toronto Boston is now, where it's like you finally you're they're just trying to slay the dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so there, so there is that one. Um, I'm just trying to think here. Uh, like there, I, I haven't. You know, as we discussed earlier, I really haven't seen very much, um, you know, in the way of, of, of good rivalries in, in hockey in a long time. Uh, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, there, there, there is the Flyers-Penguins rivalry that's, uh, that's been pretty, uh, you know, pretty engaging. Uh, they, they've, they've definitely had some, you know, some, some good series before. Um, I mean, even in the mid '90s, when you had Lemieux and Yager versus uh, the Legion of Doom line, uh, Leclerc, Renberg, and Lindros. Yeah, exactly. And 
you know, and, and I, I know the Subway series, is, you know, between the Devils and Rangers has been intriguing at times. It's been kind of an on-again, off-again rivalry, I think. Uh, Especially in the uh, early to mid-90s when you had the Messier teams versus the Stevens teams. Yeah, in 94, they had a, they had a, had a hell of a series against each other. And, that uh, final in 94 is still one of the best uh, seven-game series you'll ever see. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and, and then I think, I believe they had... They faced each other again in 2012, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it was Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, and uh, Jersey and Jersey won that, and then uh, lost to LA in the in the final. Yeah, um, that was Broder's last run as an elite goalie. Yeah, exactly, and um, you know that's that's about all that comes to mind. Yeah. The only other one that's really that we haven't mentioned um, that I've read about um, was in the eighties. It was um, that's not not my number one, but I do want to give an honorable mention to is uh, the Habs and the uh, Nordiques. Um, If anything, just for the fans, um, the teams played each other in the playoffs quite a bit. Yeah, that was good. Um, But. like I say, the Forum and the Colisee were both absolutely rocking. The teams did not like each other as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only reason it's probably not on my list is outside of 86 Montreal, neither team was a true Stanley Cup contender in most of the 80s. Montreal yeah. in 80, they rode Patrick Waugh straight to the Cup Final. Um, but to... And well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think uh, Quebec City ever really found their legs as a franchise until, unfortunately, the season before they left. Yeah, I mean the Nordiques, outside of uh, the early to mid '80s, once they went on a tailspin, they were god awful. They were basically what the Edmonton Oilers were. They get the first re- first overall pick in about four, about three or four straight years. Yeah, they, 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 they were terrible. Then they acquired some. Really great players, and they, they got Sack, and drafted Joe Joe Sackick. They drafted Matt Sundin. They drafted Peter Forsberg. Yeah, and they, actually, no, they didn't draft Peter Forsberg. They traded for Peter Forsberg from uh, Philly for uh, some kid named uh, Eric Lind- Eric Lindros. <laughs> and then the franchise went on to be immensely successful and win um, what at least two Stanley Cups. Uh, anyway, they won two 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 cups. It's, yeah, ninety six. It's just, com- uh, it's just unfortunately, it's, it's just, yeah. it's just unfortunately, it didn't happen in Quebec City, though. Yeah, I mean, I think probably the big one of the biggest mistakes that franchise made when they were in Quebec was trading Matt Sundin for Wendell Clark. Um, well, I, but yeah, but that was. I agree, uh, though. Why did they trade him? That was, that was a dumb trade. I mean, there, I think it was in the. No, was no at, offense to Clark. It was on the game. draft floor. On the draft floor at the 1993 NHL entry draft, Wendell Clark was then uh, was considered probably one of the biggest energy guys in the league. Considering the Leafs just made it to Game Seven of the Western Finals. Yeah, but, but uh, why the hell did Quebec City make that trade though? I don't. They were maybe may- to save money because well, maybe I they're don't, maybe they're looking for a veteran presence. Just came off uh, of another 40 goal season. And they had well, uh, and they had a lot of young talent, and maybe they figured you know they would give up one of their chips to get a veteran to get a veteran presence, or get some toughness or something like that. That's probably what it was. Yeah, but still, looking back on it, it was a bad um, trade. It was a very bad trade. It actually probably would have won in Quebec City. Yeah, uh, 
if they kept because could you imagine a team with Sackick, Sundin, and Forsberg? Oh my god! I I, I, I definitely I definitely think they they, they probably would have had um, more than two, two Stanley Cups in them. Oh yeah, no that I mean you're talking about the two probably most prolific Swedish scorers of all time, and also one of uh, the best um, Canadian centers of the '90s in the NHL. Yeah, in in Burnaby Joe Sackick. Yeah. I mean, but uh, yeah, no, the Nordiques Habs rivalry. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a long one. The proximity helped. The fans definitely helped. Yeah. Um, the only reason it didn't make my list is they weren't. Neither of them were truly uh, elite teams. No. But um, I'm guessing everyone probably knows what my number one is here. And I'm going to go Battle of Alberta in the uh, mid to late 80s. That's why I didn't mention it uh, as, an, as, as when you asked me for honorable yeah. mentions. I was about to and I remember it. And I thought, oh, you probably are going to have that one. Yeah. No. Um, this uh, To me, this is probably the best rivalry of all time in hockey. Uh, just specifically the mid to late 80s. Because... Uh, from eight, 1984 to 1990, these teams won all but one Stanley Cup. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I've read a couple of books. I've read that the Theo Fleury book stands out for me uh, when he said, because he got called up in uh, the middle of the uh, 89 season. And he's... I mean, Theo Fleury was undersized, and these teams would take no prisoners. And he he said it in his book. It, you can look it up. It's a miracle no one got killed. Yeah. Um, they were looking for blood. Score putting the puck in the net was not the number one thing on their on the minds. And amazingly, they've only faced each other in the playoffs five times. Uh, I, I, I don't know how they've only faced you. Well, I guess I guess if you think about it, since since the eighties and early nineties, they've never really been good at the same time. No, um, so that's probably why. But yeah, you know, and but but between eighty three and ninety one, you know, they faced each other five times. That's that's amazing. Yeah. And uh, before the season was abruptly ended uh, or stopped, they were actually on pace to play each other in the first round. And after what yeah. we saw. In the regular oh, season this year with Cassian and Kachuk, I would have paid money to see that series. I, I mean, it, because the last the last time they played in the reg, in the regular season, it was built up because it was just after the Cassian suspension, and there were like four or five fights in that game, including a goalie fight. Yeah, that's true. Well, the, uh, to be honest and, with you, I don't think I would have put it number one. Um, I, 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 I'll oh. be like my number one would have been Bruins Canadians. I. I I'm actually a little surprised it wasn't on your list, um, but um, um, yeah, go on. Sorry, yeah, I was gonna say my number one would have been Bruins Canadians, hands down. Um, especially since, like, like I, you know, uh, like the like the Flames Oilers, they've only faced each other five times, and you know, and and, and I mean, okay, there there were three seven game series out of those five matchups, but they've only faced each other five times, and the Oilers have won won four of them four of the five series. Yeah. I mean, it's funny though. I was actually, when I did my original list and before I I was talking to my dad and I was reading some stuff is the series again, the, especially in the 70s series where both teams were basically going for Stanley cups. 
Montreal dominated a lot of that. Um, Boston was competitive, but Montreal would win in either only one series, only one year it went beyond five games. Um, and even That's in true. the uh, mid to th- yeah, I mean, yeah, be fair, Boston be fair. was the only team to give. I was going to say in the seventies, Boston was the only team uh, to give Montreal any sort of ride, but it yeah. still wasn't that competitive. Well, and even yeah, in the mid two thousands, I mean, they played each other in the playoffs quite a bit, but like Montreal or Boston would never get to a conference final or anything like that. They played each other quite a bit in the playoffs. It was a great rivalry. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but there, maybe it's just. My homerism as being a Leaf fan, so sue me. Um, and also, t- my dad said, it's like when they played each other in the playoffs, it never got nasty. Yeah. Um, That's true. You, you'd think with Boston, they'd try to turn it up, but Montreal never responded with, like, chippiness between the whistles and stuff like that. And and reading – I mean, they played each other, like, uh, almost every year in the playoffs between 65 and 79. And be- but it, it it never got chippy. It never got, like, even, say, what uh, Philly-Boston or even, say, a Toronto-Ottawa series would get. Yeah. Um, again. Yeah, that's true. Uh, or to our listeners, feel free to leave me a comment to tell me how much you think I'm a moron. I don't oh, care. Oh, well, I, I, I'm not saying you're a moron. I, I so. Well, not my face, at least. Tell Christy all you want. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, yeah. I, I definitely think um, you know it, it, it was a you know a compelling rival in the eighties for sure. Um, you know, especially considering like, yeah, I mean Edmonton won four of the five series, like including you know in ninety one. So technically not the eighties, but in the same era. Yeah. Anyway, um, but I mean, but yes, four, but but uh, but three of those five series uh, did go to seven. So there is. Yeah, it's almost like, like I said, it's like a lot like the Toronto-Boston series. It's like, yeah, Boston won every series, but every series has gone to game seven, third period. Um, Yeah. But uh, going back to the... I just can't believe they've only faced each other five times. I, 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 Yeah, exactly. I can't believe that. Definitely... uh, It's definitely also a regular uh, regular season rivalry. um, At least in the past year or so, it's been definitely a regular season rivalry because Edmonton's only made the playoffs once in the last decade. Up until this year, yeah. Um, well, it, it, yeah, that's yeah, and that's been a big part of that is 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 the Oilers' dysfunction, and uh, yeah. yeah, the Oilers' dysfunction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's heck, in the mid nineties when Edmonton had when they were basically led by Ryan Smith uh, and uh, Curtis Joseph. Yeah, um, they were good, but they couldn't get over the hump. Calgary, uh, they had Theo Fleury and a young Jerome Ginla, but they didn't have the goaltending really to get him over the hump. Well, um, well they, till- yeah, they 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 were garbage for a while before two thousand and four, just garbage. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then they had like I I don't know, they had probably four or five seasons I think in a row when they made the playoffs. Uh, and then they were garbage for a few seasons after that, at least. Yeah, the problem is again with the Battle of Alberta since probably uh, the late mid to late eighties is neither team has been good at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, yeah. Uh, but and, and for the most part, both teams I would say overall uh, have been have had more seasons when they've been weak than not. 
or exactly we, we good, you know. Yeah, but in the mid '80s, though, it, well, in the mid to late '80s, both teams were electric. I mean, both teams had pretty damn good goaltending. Mike Vernon was the best he ever played. I mean, Edmonton had Grant Fuhr and Bill Rant. Uh, for most of that, Bill Ranford at the end when Fuhr left for uh, Buffalo, uh, Tampa, Toronto. Yeah. Um, and then eventually St. Louis before he retired. But, uh, I mean, we all know the Hall of Famers Edmonton had. They had uh, Gretzky. They had Messier. They had Curry. Um, they had Robitaille. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ed, Ed, or, and Calgary had um, – they had Joe Newendike. They had Gary Roberts, uh, Theo Fleury. Hell, even a very young Doug Gilmore. Yeah. Um, and, uh, they, I mean, Calgary's didn't have the Hall of Fame talent, and I think that's why they only won the one cup in 89. Yeah. Uh, they, they had Lanny McDonald for that one year who uh, finally got his cup. And believe it or not, that uh, wasn't the season. That, the one season they beat them was actually in 86 when they lost yeah. to Montreal in the finals. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, Patrick Wall was uh, showed. Goes okay. It's my house. Get his coming out party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, and like I say, from what I've read though, and the vague bits I remember though, the in the mid to late eighties, I mean, it's like a miracle. Guys were not ushered off on stretchers and stacking up like cornwood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, so that puts an end to uh, my list of top rivalries. Definitely a little controversial, um, but I think that's what makes it fun. Um, we went off on a few rants talking about other rivalries, and I'm totally fine with that. Yes. Um, you got anything to add before we uh, preview in, uh, our next one? No, it's been fun actually uh, talking about this. Uh, I, I didn't. I I didn't do a ton of research before this because I, I kind of treated this as your list, but. Uh, but I, I actually have been doing a lot of research as, as we've been talking. Um, and, uh, you know, there, 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 there definitely have been, I, I still don't think the NHL has the rich history of rivalries as other leagues have, has had, but, but there have definitely been, been, been some good ones, no doubt. Well, def- well definitely in the, since the salary cap era, there hasn't been. And I think since the salary cap era, it's, it's only been about 15 years. Um, That's true. And salary caps you don't get a lot of parody you get a ton of parody so you don't get the long rivalries uh that you would for like five ten like ten years yeah i i think yeah that's that's true for sure uh but i think now teams are starting to learn how to build a team and for to make it competitive longer you might get these rivalries lasting a bit longer i hope so i I mean like i wouldn't mind seeing a good 10 year long at least rivalry you know that, that yeah, was, like what rivalry I could see lasting a good long time is if they actually let it build. I'd like would be a very physical series would be Vegas St. Louis. I'm trying to remember what what's their history against each other. Vegas St. Louis next to none, but they're two excellent teams oh, that could probably play mean. each other in a ton of, in a ton of Western Conference Finals. Oh, I could see it. Yeah, no, that, that's true. Um, and also, oh. also, uh, I, I, I I do see uh, you know I do see that. Uh, in the future, the future holding um, uh, that the the Flames Oilers will play will you know their their their, their total matchups against each other will grow beyond five. Oh, it should! I, and I, <laughs> for the love of God, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, because right now there's 
true no can't miss rivalries in hockey, which is it's a damn shame. Yeah, and I mean, especially um, now that I think I think I mean we'll see we'll see what the resumption play holds, but I I think the Oilers are were finally starting to figure it out. You know, this season. Um, yeah, well, they finally got goaltending. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the, the team that's still a bit of a question mark, in my opinion, is Flames. I think they'll make the playoffs, but they've been they've been so inconsistent the past few seasons. Yeah, no, uh, the Flames are in the the Flames are technically in their they're in the playing yeah. round. Yeah. Okay. Um. But the uh, problem is, is the Flames have to play the Winnipeg Jets. Well, uh, I don't think the Jets were were having. Well, the Jets got decimated by injuries all year, so I, I don't know what to think of the Jets. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, I, about three years ago, I thought that they were a rising powerhouse, but they, they really took a step back. Yeah, you know, like, I think the biggest problem with the Jets this year was the injuries. Well, but yeah, um, but they weren't that good last year. They weren't that good the year before. Either. Yeah, they did. Well, I think uh, what hurt them last year is Patrick Liney pulling a complete no show. Yeah, no, I think it did too. Uh, like, tw- uh, but, 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 but in 2017, though, I, I really thought that they were like, 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 like maybe, maybe where the Blackhawks were in like 20, 2009, maybe. Yeah. I've, I've basically for the Jets, I've last year, it did help. They ran into St. Louis in the first round. No. That's um, yeah. Uh, but I think with the Jets, I think they'd probably need one more superstar, sort of like what the Raptors needed with Kawhi to get him over the top. Yeah. Well, uh, except the Raptors, though, at least have made the playoffs several years in a row. Yeah, exactly. But I'm thinking with the Jets. I, I mean, they made it to the conference finals. They, uh, I know they got swept by Vegas, but um, yeah. or lost in five. But I, I say I do like that Jets team, especially if they're clicking on all cylinders. Well, it's possible that we'll see like a like a set, like a, a prairie rivalry or something between the between the Jets, Flames, and Oilers. Yeah, or maybe even the Jets and the Wild if the Wild ever figure out how to play. <laughs> that's that, that, that's been a bit of a sad sack franchise. Yeah, I mean they've always been good enough to make the playoffs, but not good enough to do anything. Yeah, yeah, it's um. But, so um, next week is going to be your list, and what do you have in mind? Uh, so we're going to talk about the best dynasties ever, the best sports dynasties. Uh, it doesn't matter the league; it could even be you know English Premier League soccer. Uh, in fact, I suspect there might even be a team from that league that might appear on the list. Okay, I do have one question for you: like individual uh, dynasty, like Tiger Woods in two thousand or Nadal, Federer. Would those be? Um, um... No, I think that should be a separate list. Um, so you're talking more team yeah, so, dynasties? Yeah, so team then. dynasties. You know, like, okay. like, like, like the Oilers from the eighties. Uh, you know, the Spurs, the Lakers. Well, I mean, which Lakers dynasty? Are Celt- we the Celtics. Uh, hey, 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 hey. 11 one, where, where it's going to get tough is that in some leagues, we've had teams that have had multiple dynasties, sometimes even fairly close close together. Well, you can say even the, I mean, the Yankees dynasty. Yankees have had multiple dynasties. Yeah. Excuse me, Montreal, Montreal Canadiens have multiple dynasties. Yeah, so I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try my hardest to avoid repeats of the same team, you know, because I don't want the list to entirely comprise, essentially, the Canadians, Yankees, Bruins, and Lakers, which it would if, if, I, if I wasn't. And, and, Cel- and, and uh, the oh, Celtics. Oh, sorry, yeah. Celtics, yeah. I, I don't want it to be a list of basically five teams that just, you know, keep, essentially. <laughs> so. Uh, no, looking forward to it. Um, I'll be there to be your royal pain in the ass and criticize. Oh, I, 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 I have no doubt that you will be. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward. No, to it. Um, we're just. Um, 
I know this is again one reason we decided on one list is to try to make it shorter, and we're running on an hour. Yeah, 40. for the love of God, we got it. We got to try and. <laughs> I think this has been our longest podcast. Yeah, but yet. Um, I. Yeah, oh, I know, but uh, again, we're trying out a new format here. Um, I love the discussion. It's been a ton of. Oh fun. yes, it has been for um, me too. But yeah, no, um, I think we're going to stick with this for a bit, and even maybe we might just do uh, once a month top rivalries in different sports, and yeah, see, and we'll see how it works. Again. Don't be afraid to leave us a comment either on our Facebook page or contact Griff and I uh, individually, Facebook, Twitter, text message, whatever. If you think we're idiots, tell us and tell us why. We look forward to it. You think we're an idiot? We'll go call you a Karen and uh, tell you have a good day. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, But until then, um, again, we always practice social distancing, uh, six feet apart, even though the circles of group to 10 but just keep safe out there and uh have a good one anything else to say before we sign off nope and enjoy your next week